I want to begin this morning a little bit unusual way. We always like to thank you when you allow Gideon to come and speak in your church. But I don't want to thank you just for the Gideons this morning to start with. I want to thank you for myself. I want to issue a personal thanks to this congregation. About a year ago that I spoke to you before, and I think some of you may remember that at that time I had just found out that I had prostate cancer and was facing treatment. Many of you prayed for me, I know that, because I got messages and I heard from people that said they were, and I thank you for that. It made a difference. It made a lot of difference. And I want you to know that just a couple of weeks ago, I went to the doctor for my last checkup and was given a clean bill of health, been cured. <clears throat> and what a miracle it is, and I think it is a kind of a miracle, that your pastor and I have been going through this at exactly the same time. Okay? I think maybe we were there to kind of bounce off each other a little bit. I think we both were having kind of a Hezekiah moment. You remember King Hezekiah that was granted 15 more years? I feel like I've been granted time, and, and the important thing then is how you're going to use it. So I really do feel blessed this morning, and I want to thank you for all that. And one more thing, and I'll get to this more at the end of my message. Your prayers went a lot farther than you think. And it went beyond just blessing me. It's blessed other people. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I just want to know that it really is important, and I appreciate it. Now, coming to this church, I know that you all know who the Gideons are. And you've seen Gideon Bibles and know what they're all about. You've seen the hotel Bibles and hospital Bibles and probably a lot of these personal test scriptures, the uh, New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs that people can carry around in shirt pockets and things like that. I wanted to show you this one this morning because it's a little bit unusual. It's old. It was issued in March of 1943 at the Navy Pre-Flight School in Athens, Georgia, which is my hometown, to students who were getting ready to go off to the war and fly for the Navy and fight in World War II. A chaplain issued it to all of them. This was issued on May the 30th, 1943. It's kind of interesting. It has something you don't see in every Bible. It says when you get this thing, just put your name in it. Don't put the name of your ship. Don't put, you know, where you're stationed and that sort of thing. Because the enemy can use that for intelligence purposes. So just put your name in it. That's kind of interesting. And then on a little bit further in, there is a letter, copy of a letter from the President of the United States invite, telling the soldiers they need to, military people, they need to read the Bible. That's how we went to World War II. So we should always go into conflicts. So these things have a long life. And that was 1943. We did not start handing out Bibles in 1943. We'd been handing them out since 1912. We've been doing it for a long, long time. And a lot of people are involved. 280,000 people in the world and 200 nations distributing Bibles in more than 100 native languages is magic to people when they can read God's Word in their own language, and we make sure that happens. 
So we've been at it a long time, and we've distributed a lot of Bibles, well over 2.2 billion Bibles in all that time. One of our jobs that God has given us has been to cover the world with Scripture. We've done it. We're doing it. With your help, we're doing it. We also do personal witness to people as we hand out Bibles and as we meet them in highways and byways and help them in their faith journey. And we also encourage one another when we meet together, when I come up here to a Shelbyville camp meeting and whatnot, we encourage each other and do a little bit of iron sharpening iron and that sort of thing. And that's what the Guinness uh, Gideon ministry is all about. But you know, if you think about it, 280,000 people is a lot of people. And a hundred year, years of handing out Bibles is a long time. What motivates people to do this? Well, as I said last year, and I'll repeat again this year, it's the Great Commission. I'm a military guy. I spent 25 years in the Air Force. I know an order when I get one. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's an order, not a suggestion. And we take it seriously, and we literally do go all over the world doing that. And we do it with boldness because Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. We know that's true. God's word is true. And what it says, those things are going to happen. And we know Isaiah 55, 11 is true because 50, Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We got our orders and we got our reason for obeying them. But if the Gideons alone were carrying out this mission, we would fail. We can't do it all. We're the point of the spear. We're the people that go out into the highways and byways of the world, along with your missionaries, and encounter people firsthand and help lead them to Christ with God's Word and with our witnessing to them. But that's not the end of the story. We're commanded to make disciples of all people, teach them to grow, and it takes a church to do that. So we need you backing us up and coming in behind us with your missionaries and your churches so that as people are converted and come to the Lord, they can learn and they can grow. And you do a good job of that, and we appreciate this. So we, when I speak to you about the Gideon mission this morning, I'm talking about a shared mission. I'm talking about a, an alliance that we have to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. Now, all the world means all the world. It means the comfortable, nice places. It means the places that aren't so comfortable and nice. Jungles. Places where we have to go down dirt roads on, really literally, with horses and mules sometimes to get the Bibles to where they need to be. It means dangerous places. Places where trouble is going on. Places where firebombs go off on the streets and that sort of thing. 
We have to go to all those places. God wants us in all those places, and he wants us there for a reason, because James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all as joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When we're growing, going through trials, we are most open to the Word of God and to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And in those parts of the world where the trouble is the greatest, we find that people are often most willing to hear our message and read the Bible, come to it. It's the way life works. Although we can help people in all places, and I'll talk about that, but it is in the places of the trouble that we often have to be there. And as I think of places of trouble in the time since last I spoke to you, probably nothing that I could think, no nation that I could think of has gone through more trouble than the Ukraine. Since I spoke to you last, the Ukraine has been invaded and consumed in war. We're all aware of that. We see it on the news all the time. It's personal Gideons. There are Gideons in the Ukraine, lots of them. And the same is true of Russia. And they've gone to war. And we're not talking about just distant images. In many cases, we're talking about people that we know. And we had a very good example of that this year, an example of how God moves in people's hearts. The gentleman Kevin Keck from Sevierville who was the former state president of the Gideons. He's now the international treasurer of the Gideons. Very good speaker, great guy. I really like Kevin. Kevin, the year before the invasion of, the war of Ukraine, was at the international convention of the Gideons. We hold, have, hold that every year. And, you know, you meet people from all over the world and you strike up conversations and make friendships. And he had developed a friendship there with a couple from the Ukraine named Sergei and Aluka Gala. You know, just, they were friends. And they, they corresponded and that sort of thing. And he, he liked them. He just enjoyed their company. And then the invasion came. And one night, Kevin got an email from Aluka. And she said, the war has come to my house. The bombs are falling around me. The cannon shells are coming my way. And we don't know what's going to happen. Please pray for us. And Kevin desperately wanted to reach back to that family, get in touch with them, but he could no longer communicate by email. He was never able to respond, and he really didn't know what was going on. It was some time before he understood what had happened. And here's what had happened. Sergei and Aluka were there in the Ukraine, and the first impulse of people caught in that war was to get out of there, just to go. And we're talking a lot of people, and I want to make sure I got this, this number right. Uh, there were something like three or four million people that went into motion, either pulling back from the front line or going over into Poland and Romania and just trying to avoid the conflict. 
And Sergei and Aluka were among those people. They had their family right there in the Ukraine, the western part, a little bit back from the troops, but the war had come to them. And they made up their mind they were going to go. They actually had their bags packed, and they were getting ready to leave the Ukraine. And Sergei said, well, you know, we need to pray about this. We need to have, we need to get on our knees and pray and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance for what we're to do in this situation that we're in. So they began to pray. And they began to pray a lot. They were sincere on their knees in prayer. Sergei said they got an answer. And he said it led to the hardest decision he ever had to make in his life. He and his wife decided not to go. They were led to stay in the Ukraine in the face of the conflict and love their family members and their friends that were going through that conflict. Not to go, but to stay and serve. That takes a lot of courage. And it was serious service. Fairly quickly, they had to have 11 people move into their house with them just because these 11 people didn't have a place to sleep. The Gideon Field representative in that failed same area had to invite 22 people into his home so that they could eat and sleep and, and survive in the face of all that's going on. That takes sacrifice. How would you like to have 22 people move into your house tonight? It's tough. But Sergei and Aluka didn't just feed them and clothe them. Every night they had prayer meetings. Every night they worshipped in that household. And they're Gideons, so they gave them Bibles to read and that sort of thing. And they read to them Scripture and prayed for God's mercy as this war raged around them. Lucas says that five people came to the Lord immediately. And as the war went on, more and more and more. He said the war changed the Ukraine. Well, goodness knows, it must have. She said that before the war, Ukrainians were a lot like a lot of Americans. They were secular, godless. They didn't take it seriously. And when they would try to witness to their friends or give them Bibles, it was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, you've probably experienced that yourself. You know, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you're a Christian, but I got a football game to watch. You know how it is. See, that was the way it was in the Ukraine. And not everybody accepted the Bibles. She said that after the war began, things changed. There are no atheists in foxholes. And she said nobody turns down Bibles anymore when they give them to them. And they come and they pray, and many, many people are drawn to the Lord. Many people. People that stayed in the Ukraine and the ones who went over into Poland and Romania and those places too. The Gideons have been working very hard in that area. And we don't even know how many Bibles we've, we've uh, distributed in that area with so many people on the move, so many people in their country or in a different country. But we know it's well over a million scriptures They've just have been handed out just to the Ukrainians. And we're seeing a lot of changes there. You know, 
Talk about God doing miracles, the Holy Spirit doing miracles. When that war started, I'm, I'm a retired military guy. I've been to all the war colleges and all that, studied tracks, uh, tactics and strategy. When that war started, I wouldn't have given you a nickel against a dollar that the Russians weren't going to overrun that country. It looked very bad. And that's what Sergei and Aluka and all the people there in the Ukraine were facing. Would you have believed that I would be here today? When that war started, when it first started, when we first get the news reports, would you believe that I would be able to come into your, house, into your church this morning and say, the Russians are being pushed back and large numbers of areas in the Ukraine have been freed? To me, that's a miracle. I don't see how it could have happened without the will of God being on that side. And peace was restored into Sergei and Luka's area, so much so that they came to the Gideon's International Convention in Grapevine, Texas this summer and participated with us. They could fly out of the Ukraine and come back and participate in fellowship with us. But you know, it's interesting. When they spoke to the Gideon's International Convention, they didn't say, well, thank goodness we got out of there. And, you know, they probably could have been granted asylum in the United States if they had wanted it. That wasn't on their heart. They said, we're delighted to be here and we've enjoyed this fellowship and we're going back home just as fast as we can. And we're going to distribute just as many Bibles as we can because we know there are a lot of souls left to save. Let me suggest, people, that is courage. So, we've seen it. We've seen the worst and the toughest, and I'm glad we've been able to help. You know, we pray for the Ukrainians and the Romanians and the Poles and all the people that are caught up in that. But let me tell you something else. We pray for the Russians. They're Russian Gideons. We pray that something will come upon them that will cause a change. People say, well, you mean you might sit down and pray for Vladimir Putin? Yes. Okay? And I'm going to read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, because the Bible tells us why we should do that. It says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high position, that we may lead peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is in pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Yes, I pray that Vladimir Putin be saved and come to the knowledge of truth and every other world leader. That happens, we're going to have a lot less trouble in this world. So yes, we need to lift them up in prayer because it's a, it's a troubled world out there. And if I wasn't talking about Russia, I could be talking about other places, but Russia and, and the Ukraine. But you know, it's not just in these highly troubled places that we see the Holy Spirit at work. We see it right around here. Recently, this summer, a member of my Gideon camp who loves to play golf was out on the golf course and he ran into the grandson of a friend of his. And they struck up a conversation. 
And my friend could tell that this young man was troubled. He said, what's going on? He said, well, the young man had been enrolled in a, one of these private kind of elite schools, prep schools, to get ready to go to college, complete his high school education in this private school, elite school. And the young man talked to my friend and said, you know, I'm worried about some of the things they're teaching me. I'm hearing things that I just don't think could be right. And I imagine you know the type of things I'm talking about. And my friend had actually had a cousin that had been, a nephew that had been through the same thing. And he said, uh, you know, you've got a real challenge on your hand. Surviving in an environment like that is tough. And here's the deal. You've got to be smarter than they are. You've got to know more than they do about what's real and what's true. And he pulled out Gideon's scripture and gave it to that young man and said, you need to start reading this and reading it every day. And you know, there are help sections in the front and the plan of salvation in the back. You need to really learn it so that you can survive in the environment you're in. So the young man took the Bible. A couple of weeks later, my friend was out on the golf course again and he sees the young man again. And the young man says, sir, uh, you were right. I've been reading the Bible, and a lot of the stuff that I'm being taught is just plain wrong. And I've talked to my parents, and they agree, and I'm going to get into a different school. He enrolled in a public school system where the, the director of the school board has run the Fellowship of Christian Athletes for years. He found a good place to go to school. That was a blessing. And then a couple of weeks later, my friend saw him again, and he said, sir, I realized I wasn't a Christian. After I read the Bible, looked at the plan of salvation and all, I realized that I was kidding myself. So I want you to know, I've signed the back and dated it. And I'm going to church now every Sunday. And I'm really dedicating my life to the Lord. Mixed up young man in a school where he didn't want to be, right here in Tennessee, Turn his life over to the Lord. There are people like that all over the place. Even in the midst of plenty, in the midst of the blessings we enjoy as Americans, there are people that are hurting, people that are lonely, people that don't know what's going on and they need our help. And you know, when I was in the hospital, and not in the hospital, when I was getting my treatments for prostate cancer, I saw this. And this is where your prayers perhaps went farther than you ever know, beyond me to people that need salvation. When I found out I was going to have to get radiation treatment every day, have to drive from Winchester to Murfreesboro and do the radiation treatment and come back and that sort of thing, my Christian friends rallied around me. Members of my church, members of my Gideon camp, and without even me having to ask, they said, you know, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll drive you up there. Well, they got up, signed up a sheet, and there's a different person going to drive you every day and that sort of thing, so you don't have to worry about this. We're going to get you to church. We're going to get you to your service, to your uh, treatments. And I was grateful for that. It's going to be me and my wife doing it every day. So I, I was very grateful for that, and, and they did it. And I didn't even have to ask. Just out of the goodness of their heart as Christian people, they agreed to do this. 
So the clinic where I was going has this overhang and a driveway where you can drive right up to the door and let patients out before you go park your car. And the people who were driving me up there would drive me up to that door, let me out, I would go in and they go park the car. Well, you know, if you do anything with people every day for six weeks, you get to know them. And I was getting ready to know my radiology staff pretty good, my treatment people. They were good people, smart people. And they were noticing me. And they were noticing these cars that would come every day and let me out. And it never was the same people. And they said, well, who are these people? I said, well, those, those are my Christian brothers and sisters, the members of my church and my Gideon camp, and they're voluntary. I didn't even have to ask. They're just voluntarily coming up here and doing this, driving me up here and doing this. And they were impressed. They were saying, that's the way life should be. We should be taking care of each other. We should be serving each other. In fact, my doctor one day, I've got a friend of mine that's a car nut. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he likes to have nice cars, and he has a really nice Audi. And he drove me up to the front of the place in that car one day, and my oncologist, the doctor, saw that and said, who was that? I saw this friend of mine that's an orthopedic surgeon. He said, you mean you had a doctor? bring you to me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a Christian friend, you know. It made the right impression. It made the right impression. And, they were very, and we had this conversation repeatedly. It was getting to people. It was a witness. Your prayers produced a witness to these people. And they started asking me about prayer. Do you have people praying for you? Yeah, lots of people. All over the state of Tennessee. That's good, that's good. So we're getting near the end of to really my last day of treatment. And we're having this conversation again. And while we were having it, the little people I ordinarily dealt with, there was this one young lady, nurse, that was looking at me. And she had kind of a wistful look on her face, you know. And right at the end of the conversation, she said, you really do have a lot of people praying for you. And I said, yes, I, I do, and I, I'm, I'm so happy about that. And she said, that must be nice. And that statement broke my heart. She did not know what it was to have people pray for her, to have a group of people pray for her. We take it for granted. We take it for granted, but... In our nation, we've learned to be so autonomous and so independent. Don't need God, don't need other people. Yes, we do. And the people that are trying to do that, go that route, are lonely. And I could tell in this woman's voice, in this young lady's voice, that she longed for that. And I'm sorry I didn't get to follow up with her. The next thing I knew, I was going into treatment, and then the doctor wanted to talk to me, and by the time I got through with all that, she was gone. But it struck me that young people, people just like her, are the reason that you as a church and we as Gideons exist. We're here to witness to them and make those people disciples. And I wish I had done a better job of following up. But you know, we should never lose heart when we talk to people about the Lord. They might not be converted that day. In fact, the evidence shows that sometimes it might take 20, 25 discussions before a person begins to change. 
But if we keep talking, every chance we get, if every opportunity when we can help lead people to the Lord, people do change, and they do come to the Lord. And that's what we're all about. And that's the ministry that we Gideons and you as a church share. It's a powerful and awesome ministry. Now, as you work as our allies in this ministry, what can you do for us? We're already doing it by letting us come and speak to you so you'll know what's going on in the world, how we serve and that sort of thing and how our alliance works together. I appreciate that. We also covet your prayers. We want you to pray for us. When you go into the highways and the byways of the world, it can be challenging. And sometimes it can be dangerous. And sometimes you just plain get tired. Pray for us. We need your prayers. We covet your prayers because we know they make a difference. And there are other things you can do. I notice there's a Gideon card rack going out the back door there. Use those Gideon cards if you're inclined. Every time a Gideon card gets sent, some Bibles get purchased. And they make a difference. About a third of the money that the Gideons raise to hand out 80, 90 million Bibles a year comes from those Gideon cards. So if, if you're inclined to use one, please do. One more thing. There may be some of you in this audience that might be feeling a call to this ministry. It's a good thing. It is, if you do it right, it is not an easy ministry. I'm not going to say this is something that's just going to be a walk in the park, but if you are called to it, it's the thing you should do. Uh, let's see, we've got a number of Gideons here. The Gideons that are here today, Gideons at Auxiliary, please stand up. These are my brothers and sisters, Barry. After this service, if you're interested in membership, talk to me or talk to one of them about membership. Um, we can see, see if that's possible. Finally, you may be interested in making a financial contribution. And you've already heard you've got the Gideon envelopes that you'll hand at the door and the love offering uh, envelopes there. Uh, just use those for your Gideon offerings and the other for the offerings to the church. And people always ask me, well, how much is the right amount of money to give? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I trust the Lord that whatever we money we get is going to be used properly. It doesn't take a lot. It only takes a dollar a quarter for one of these things to get printed and distributed somewhere in the world. The hotel, the, uh, hotel Bibles, only $5 printed and distributed somewhere in the world. It doesn't take much to do a lot of good. And we know that every time a Bible goes out, God's Word will not return void. So, whatever's on your heart, we appreciate it. And we appreciate your letting us come talk to you. We appreciate your support that you've done so many years for the Gideons. And I personally appreciate your prayers and support over the last year. Thank you. God bless you.